And let's uh, pray together. Lord, we thank you for the truth of the songs we just sing. We, you are a perfect and holy God. What an amazing mystery it is that you would want to dwell with us, that you made a way through Jesus for us to be in relationship with you, and that now we get to boldly approach your throne. Lord, we thank you that it is well with our souls, that no matter what we face, we know that you, you have provided the future for us. And not only that, that you're with us now in the present. So we pray that as we look at your word today, we would seek to hear from you, that you would speak to us this morning and guide us into all truth. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I noticed on my way up here, there's this giant pit full of water here. And I, if I had time to think, I might have put a, like a traffic cone or something. So you, it's all of your responsibility. If I get too close and I'm about to fall in, you, you have my permission to just yell out and let me know. Okay? We have that deal? <laughs> well, there's a 2015 movie made from a book called Room. The movie was called Room. And it wasn't a very well-known movie, but the main character, um, Joy, she's the lady who played Captain Marvel. Well, Joy is a young woman um, who, was, who was kidnapped as a teenager and kept in captivity until her uh, mid-20s. So during this time, while she was being held captivity, she lived her entire life in this windowless shed. And if her problems got worse, was that she now had a child with her abductor that she was trying to raise inside this shed in the backyard of this man's house. And so this child, Jack, who was being raised inside this shed, had never seen the sky. He had never even seen the backyard where the shed was located. He had no understanding of what it meant for there to be a world outside of the walls of this, this shed, maybe the size from maybe here to about here. All of his life experiences were what his mom told him about the world. And in order to protect him, trying to raise him as best she could in this terrible situation, they did have a television, but she led him to believe that everything that she, he saw on the TV, the true stuff and the fake stuff, all of it was not really real. There, no, there was no external world outside of this shed that he could experience if he could only get free. But one day, she, she had a realization that she needed to get him out of there, and she devised a plan for his escape. And in order to free her child, Jack, from this imprisonment in this shed, she had to let him know about things about the outside world that she had kept hidden from him. And in some ways, she was unable to give him an impression of what it really was like to, to be in the real world. All she was able to do was get him to memorize a bunch of steps and then, then to have faith that he would be able to remember those steps and do what he told her to do. But nothing that she could say could replace experiencing the real world for, for him. He had to actually enter and leave the shed and enter the real world to see and experience it for himself. Well, like this child Jack who could not perceive the world was, the natural man cannot understand the wisdom of God. There is wisdom from God that only comes from His Holy Spirit. And only those that receive that wisdom from God can understand it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to pick back up in the book of 1 Corinthians, 
6 to 16, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the wisdom of God, and he's contrasting the wisdom of God with how it differs from the wisdom of the world. Now, as we continue through Paul's letter uh, to, to the Corinthian church, the, the letter of the first Corinthians, we're going to unpack the hidden nature of God's wisdom and see how, he, how we can understand his hidden wisdom through the Holy Spirit. So first, because we have received the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit, we should seek to follow his voice. Because we have received the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit, we should seek to follow his voice. Let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye had seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of, man, heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Well, in this passage... The Apostle Paul, he's emphasizing that the wisdom of God, it is not accessible through human intelligence or worldly knowledge, but it's only accessible through the Holy Spirit. Now, as Christians, we have received the Holy Spirit, and through him, we have this access to the wisdom of God. So therefore, we should seek to follow his voice and his guidance in our lives rather than relying on our own understanding, no matter how smart we are or think we are. And this means that we need to cultivate a deeper relationship with God through prayer, through reading of his word, and even listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. See, when we choose to follow his voice, we are aligning ourselves with his will and his purposes for our lives, not our own. And we, and we can experience the fullness of, of his wisdom and guidance. But we need to look at the limitations of human wisdom if, if, if we're to 
to understand the wisdom of God. Because, like we said, the natural person cannot understand the wisdom of God. The natural person cannot understand the wisdom of God. Now, who is this natural person? We often think of the word natural in a positive way, like it's natural or it's organic and it's not artificial. It's the real thing. But what Paul is saying here when he refers to the natural person, he is speaking of the unbeliever. So the unbeliever, the natural person, they have not been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, the unbeliever does not have the spiritual discernment to accept the things of the Spirit. Just like that boy Jack had no understanding of the outside world, the unbeliever has no ability to understand the wisdom of the God and the wisdom that comes through the Holy Spirit. Now, there was a number of years ago, I was having this discussion uh, with an atheist about the Christian faith. Now, from an intellectual standpoint, he had a fairly solid understanding of what Christians believe, even more so than some Christians do. Um, when it comes to intellectual ideas. And um, through our discussion, I was able to help him sort through certain misunderstandings. And even at the end of our conversation, he was like, hey, you know what? The, you, got, you really made some good points. I guess it makes more sense than I thought it did. But the thing was is that I don't believe he was any closer to accepting Jesus as his Savior because he still had no sense of a need for God. It was just good knowledge about something, about what someone who doesn't believe what he believes. You know, whether he respected me for sharing my opinion or not, ultimately, the, the, there was, it was a bridge that I could not lead him to. I could tell him about God. I could tell him about the Christian faith. But the, only the Holy Spirit could illuminate his mind and, and reveal to him who God really is, not just facts about God. See, God uses us to share the good news of the gospel, he uses us um, as we are, people that have received his wisdom. Yet, this wisdom, like verse 13 says, is not imparted by words and human wisdom, but it's taught by who? The Holy Spirit. See, we believers, we can sometimes function like the natural man that's described here in chapter 2. And what Paul wants the Corinthian church to understand is that the wisdom, he wants them to understand the wisdom that they possess, that they have been given, that they have access to. It's not only a superior sort of wisdom to the wisdom of the world, but it's of an entirely different nature than the best wisdom that the world has to offer. And that's because the Spirit searches everything and shares the thoughts of God. The Spirit searches everything and shares the thoughts of God. Now, now think about what this means for a minute. Now, if you're a believer, it's probably not super profound for me to say to you, hey, God knows everything. Has any, everyone ever heard that before? God knows everything? You know, it's one of those things we say so often that it can easily like you know, just lull us to sleep. Yeah, yeah, God knows everything. I get it, right? But I think we're missing something. We can easily forget that God knows everything, not so much intellectually, but in practice, in our day-to-day -day lives. Not just that he can discern our thoughts from afar, but that he is intimately aware of everything that's going on in the world before it even happens. 
we're clearly told here that the Spirit searches everything and shares with us the thoughts of God. The Spirit searches everything. But I think in practice we forget that fact. How often do we base our peace and security in keeping up with the news, making sure we have all the info about whatever's going on in the world, whatever people are worked up and scared of today, we got to make sure we fill our minds with all that knowledge and all that information, but it never seems to bring us the peace and security that we thought it would. So we just keep trying to, and, and we get distracted, and we often do not take time to seek out the wisdom of God. And if the Spirit searches everything, and if God planned to reveal himself to us, like it says, before the creation of the world, we can be confident that he will teach us and guide us into all truth that he wants us to know. Now, there may be some limitations to the wisdom of God that we receive. We certainly don't have his capacity to understand. But we, we know that we're not told the day or the hour that he will return. We're just told to be ready. But we can be sure that whatever we need to know, whatever God desires for us to know, that he will reveal to us through his Holy Spirit. Because the world's wisdom is passing away, yet God's wisdom leads to glory. The world's wisdom is passing away, and God's wisdom leads to glory. Let me reread verses 6 to 7. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now when we consider the inferior wisdom of this age, Think about what 2 Timothy 3.7 says. It says, In the last days, people will be always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, we touched on this verse a few weeks ago when we were in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. It's very easy for us, I think, to become frustrated by the latest nonsense that people are talking about in the world, isn't it? There's so much knowledge out there. There's so many opinions and ideas that are always flowing through society and flowing through thinking people in the world. And it, sometimes it just becomes frustrating, the things that we hear on a day-to-day -day basis. But we have to remember that all of the knowledge of the world, it's all passing away. And we've got to remember that we're, we're told that, that we will receive this glory. Colossians 3.4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will appear with him in glory. Or in Paul's other letter to the Corinthian church, in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, from the very beginning, God intended, before the creation of the world, God intended to rescue us through Jesus. He, he, he intended to renew us and give us new life. He intended to enable us to reflect his glory, to reflect his magnificence. This is the essence of what Paul is saying in verse 7, when he affirms that our glorification... Um, our glorification serves a higher purpose. When God bestows his glory on each of us, he's not diminished, 
but rather he's exalted even more as we reflect his glory. You see, while believers are given this secret and hidden wisdom of God, it's not a special knowledge in the sense that the believer gets to flaunt and brag about himself. It's not this secret wisdom that's set aside for special or elite believers. Um, it's not just for the follow, followers. Remember la- a couple, uh, last chapter we were hearing about these divisions about Paul, people who would say they follow Paul or people who would say they follow Apollos. It's not a special wisdom for just certain factions of believers, but it's, it's offered to all of us. You see, having the mind of Christ is tied to the cross. Having the mind of Christ is tied to the cross. See, understanding the things freely given to us by God, the mind of the Lord is now described in verse 16 as having the mind of Christ. That's where it says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, what does the mind of Christ look like? Well, it made me think of Philippians um, chapter 2, 5 to 9. I actually had this, um, wanted to share this on the screen even. Philippians 2, 5 to 9 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in who? Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So this passage teaches us more about what it, about what it means to have the mindset of Jesus Christ. And first, it obviously involves humility. It involves obedience to God. It involves letting go of our desires. Typically, as believers, we receive wisdom from God through the Holy Spirit, illuminating His Word, His written Word, our Bible. However, the, at times, the Spirit may grant us special insight and understanding for special circumstances. For, ex- for example, the Holy Spirit might p- prompt us to share a specific message with a a specific person. Or maybe the Holy Spirit will reveal to us guidance for the church or for a ministry. The Spirit may give us warning about certain situations. But here's the catch. Certainly anything that the Holy Spirit reveals will never, ever, ever, ever contradict God's written word because it's impossible for God to lie. So anyone who says the Holy Spirit told me to tell you and it's not in line with God's word, the Holy Spirit didn't tell them that. Okay? See, whatever the hidden, whatever the nature of the revelation, it is always, always, always rooted in the humility that Christ showed us in his obedience and his death on the cross. You see, true revelation exalts Christ, not the recipient. True revelation exalts Christ, not the recipient. Now, if you were to read through today's passage a little slower, you might wonder about the specifics of the wisdom that is imparted from the Spirit. What are those specifics? What are these spiritual truths that we receive? 
And this is why we always, have the, always need to have the message of the gospel rooted in our hearts and minds. We always need to understand God from the standpoint that we're a reconciled people who freely received all that we have. In a couple chapters, Paul will ask the Corinthians, will be like, what do you have that you have not received? And if you received it, why do you boast? Okay? We're reconciled people. All that we have has been freely given to us. And so we're to desire to see Christ glorified in all things. And we're eager to hear his voice, not for ourselves, but we're eager to hear his voice because we're eager to obey him. We are eager to hear his name be praised, and we're eager to see his kingdom advance. It's all about him. Many believers are understandably cautious, sometimes even fearful, about the idea of receiving special revelations from God. I think this is because sometimes individuals have claimed to hear from God, and they've, they've made things up in order to manipulate and control people. And that's, that's a sad reality. And then some people offer, offer things that they say are revelations in order to elevate themselves and to exert control, in order to make themselves appear this very spiritual person who has special insight to make the others below them feel less. But a truly spiritual person is not interested in self-promotion. A truly spiritual person is interested only in honoring Christ in all things. See, the spiritual person sees the world as God sees it. The spiritual person sees the world as God sees it. Now, I want to clarify, when Paul's referring to a spiritual person, he's not using that idea of being spiritual like is sometimes thrown around today. Nowadays, sometimes you'll hear people say something like, I'm spiritual but not religious. And quite often what they mean by that is that they're open to the supernatural, they're open to the ideas about God, and they like mystical things and stuff, but they don't have any interest in being a part of organized religion. And the reason they don't want to be part of organized religion, the reasons can vary. They may have had a, a terrible experience where they were mistreated or manipulated by a spiritual leader or, a, or an institution, or maybe it's just because they don't like having to conform their life to anybody but themselves. And so the being spiritual is a, and it's be, for them becomes a form of self-worship where they listen to whatever mystical things or voices that they think they hear in order to tell them that uh, to approve of how they live their lives. But that's not what Paul's talking about here when he speaks of sp the spiritual person. Paul is letting the Corinthians know that they all have received the Spirit. All of them can understand the things that are freely given by God. All of them. They are those spiritual people. They are distinct from the natural man, the unbeliever. They are those who have the mind of Christ. Now, we're going to see when we move into chapter 3 next week that Paul can't address them yet as spiritual people because they're acting like people of the flesh. Yet these are, in fact, spiritual people in their status. If these spiritual people will live into who they are in Christ, they will do that. The Spirit will enable them to see the world the way God sees it. At times, they may discern the hearts of others. They will sense the love that God has for other people. They will discover that God is trying to produce this love in their hearts and minds for others as well. You know, the other day I saw this post, and it was about this famous person 
who, who's not a Christian. In fact, somebody who I find somewhat irksome in our world. And the post asked people to pray for this person. This person was ruminating and, and sharing actually some positive things about their memories of learning about the Bible as a child. And the person who shared this post was saying, we need to pray for this person to come to know Jesus. And in that moment, I started to have my heart be softened. I started realizing, why do I have bitterness and anger towards this person? And my heart towards that person became soft, and I began to desire to see them the way God sees them and to see that person come to a knowledge of truth. See, we often think of spiritual wisdom or revelations from God in this complicated and lofty and mystical way where we get this knowledge that's hard for others to understand, right? But most of the time, it's simply sensing God's love for others, to having our hearts in tune with what he's doing in the world. Sometimes it's recognizing um, the, the unique beauty that God has put in other people. Sometimes it's having discernment and recognizing how other people are gifted and the way God has blessed them. Sometimes, yes, it is warnings about particular individuals, or situations. But one thing we got to remember is that even in those situations where the Spirit brings warning, the Holy Spirit is also producing peace in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit never gives us a warning to make us freak out and afraid because the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So even when the Holy Spirit gives us warnings, it is never for the sake of making us afraid. He always desires to give us that warning, but then bestow us with peace as well. See, we see that spiritual discernment, it flows from the gospel. Spiritual discernment flows from the gospel. Now, if you remember a few weeks back, when we were looking at the wisdom of God in chapter 1, when Paul first brings this concept up, Paul was teaching that Christ crucified, or the word of the cross, was the power and wisdom of God. Remember that? We said that Paul was teaching that Christ crucified, or the word of the cross, that was the power and the wisdom of God. You see, the only reason we can be in relationship with God is through the cross. Our standing and access to the Father is rooted in the cross. So whatever discernment, whatever revelation we are to receive, the cross is always central to it. If we lose sight of the cross and the centrality of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are not in a place to discern the voice of God. That is why it's important for us to be constantly rooted in the gospel. And this is more than just a reflection of the idea, yes, Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save me from my sins. That's true, but it is a daily dying to ourselves and living to Christ that is needed. This is what baptism symbolizes, right? As we go into the water, it symbolizes our identify, identification with Christ in his death as we are to die to ourselves. And as we come up out of the water, it, it symbolizes our identification with Christ in his resurrection from the dead and as we are given new life in him. And we see here in this passage that the spiritual person limits lesser voices. The spiritual person limits lesser voices. Now, as spiritual people, do we regularly try to hear God's voice? I have to ask myself that question. Or do we let other voices, like those of our favorite authors or celebrities, 
or uh, political commentators or politicians or other famous people or other influential people in our lives? Do we let those thoughts and those people dominate our thoughts? Do we base our ideas of the gospel through the lens of what the world says? Or do we discern the voice of God through his word and then evaluate what we hear outside through that? See, we all, we ha we all have to ask ourselves, what are the voices that distract us from the wisdom of God? Now, don't, don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't learn from others. I'm not saying we need to walk around the world with our ears plugged, you know, completely oblivious to everything that other voices are saying in the world. It's, it's perfectly fine for us to learn from others. We can even learn from those we have a lot of disagreements. We don't have to agree with everything that another person says to find kernels and truth in what they're saying. But we have to make sure that we are not giving them undue influence in our minds and in our hearts. And that these, th these voices, when, even when they're saying true things, that these other voices don't distract us from the wisdom of God. You see, the, spirit, the spiritual person lives a spirit-empowered life. The spiritual person lives a spirit-empowered life. If we want to deepen our knowledge from the spirit, we need to be open to the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings. Quite often, the revelation, the wisdom from God that we are getting from the Holy Spirit, he's first helping us to see the log in our own eyes. He's first helping us lovingly identify the areas in our life that we have not given over to him, the attitudes in our hearts that, have, that we have not surrendered to him. That's a big piece, a big part of um, the revelation from the Holy Spirit. See, it's a good thing to seek wisdom from God. And as believers, we should expect to receive guidance from the Holy Spirit. However, our motivation should not be to try to gain status or validation for ourselves. Instead, we should seek to glorify Jesus and to serve him faithfully through our pursuit of wisdom from him. The world offers many forms of wisdom and knowledge I mean, and, and, and to help you understand things. But, but this wisdom that the world offers, it pales in comparison to the hidden wisdom of God, which is only revealed uh, to us who believe in him through his Holy Spirit. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to make a way for us to have a relationship with you. And that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can now be indwelled by your Holy Spirit and have the life of Jesus at work in us. I pray that as we would always seek to hear your voice, that we would always be people who are rooted in the good news of the gospel, people who are rooted in your written word, who love to hear your voice, who love to obey. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in all things. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.